Chapter 10, A Housemaid. After dinner, Leah opened the laptop to show them photographs of the house at Carmoyle. The ghost of a memory brushed her with its wing and vanished. I feel like I've seen it before. Did we go down there when we were small? She thought it unlikely. The Lawless family holidays had invariably taken place in a county Tipperary rental, built according to a 21st century notion of what a traditional Irish village must have been. They always stayed at number nine, in deference to Ronan's low tolerance of change. But Pat Lawless had the inward expression of someone trying to track down an elusive memory. It's on my side of the family, he said. Leah got up to make the tea, and Mary Lawless sat quiet, hands in her lap. Her patience with her husband was one of her strong points. There's a photo of that house in one of the blue albums, he said eventually. It took Leah some time to find the box in the attic and to bring down all five blue albums, only to find that he had misremembered. The relevant album had a red cover, embossed with gold around the rim, and dating from a time when photographs were stored in a way that people could believe in. They shook off the dust and gathered around the kitchen table. I don't know these people, said Mr Lawless, confused and slightly distressed. I thought I would know them. Leah removed one of the photos from its corner tabs. Someone had written on the back, in pencil, Peggy Shine, 1919. Mary Lawless inspected the photograph. Was she not your great-grandmother? She had a mind like a filing cabinet. She was, Pat said, his face clearing with relief. My great-great-grandmother, Peggy Shine. I know her now. Leah's forebear wore a white cap and apron over a black dress and a mischievous expression. She had a basket of eggs over her arm. She looks like a housemaid. She looks like a handful, said Mary Lawless. Pat grinned. Oh, she was. Knocked up by one of the gentry and dismissed without a character. They sent her away, but she met a dentist on the train and married him. You couldn't keep that woman down. Did the dentist know that the child wasn't his? Well, said Pat, there's knowing and knowing, if you get me, but he was a good man. He never treated that little boy any different from the ones that came after. Leah turned the page and realised that her memory of Carmoyle must have come from looking through that album as a child. There it was in sepia print, with its formal gardens and marble columns and rusticated stone. Was that where she was in service? It was, said Pat Lawless. I knew I'd seen that house before. Leah excused herself. The upstairs bathroom smelt of anti-dandruff shampoo and soap, infinitely familiar. She washed her face and sat on the edge of the bath. There was a fluffy cover on the toilet seat and a knitted tea cosy over the spare toilet roll. Like it's going to catch a chill, she thought automatically. The toilet roll cover was an assault to the senses, but it also anchored her to the past. She looked up 
and caught a glimpse of her pale face in the mirror. Did Ethan Blake know that her family had a history with the house? The link between the Lawless family and Carmoyle was tenuous and long ago, but something told her not to underestimate his deviousness. Could they even be related? She wondered, not for the first time, what her brother would have done. Ronan did not believe in coincidences. She crossed the landing and opened his bedroom door. Her mother called up from the kitchen. She must have been listening for it. Don't touch anything in there. The room was like a shrine. Leah sat in the single bed and wondered why her brother slept in a room with Star Wars curtains. He had kept all the figurines too on the shelf above the bed and their mother arranged them daily in a pattern auspicious for his return. Yoda gazed enigmatically from a pillowcase that no longer smelt of anything but fabric conditioner. I know, she whispered. Incomplete is my training. Ronan was four years older than Leah, and, while it was not unusual for Dubliners of his age to be still living at home, it seemed slightly odd that the country's leading interior design professional had not decorated his bedroom since he was ten. Once she had asked him, I like things being the same, he said. Ronan's working life was all about making things different. She understood that he found it comforting to surround himself with things that remained the same, but the room was disorientating. She kept expecting to meet his childhood self. It's a time warp. Do you not think it's time to let it go? No, said Ronan. Why should I? Leah was unable to come up with an answer, other than letting go of one's childhood was an expected convention. But Ronan did not consider himself bound by other people's notions of what ought to happen. You're living in the past. People in their thirties don't play with Lego. When Ronan was nine, he had been given the Lego Millennium Falcon as his Christmas present. It remained in its box and was lovingly reassembled every year on Christmas morning. The grown-up Ronan, PhD, sat cross-legged on his bed and grinned at his little sister. I have three answers, he said. Firstly, making Lego is a meditative act, akin to creating a mandala. I see it as a tool for developing wisdom and compassion, and within its restricted pattern, deities reside. Secondly, it was the best Christmas ever. If I imagined that a different or future Christmas could be any better, I'd be disappointed every year. So, rather than experiencing a lifetime of disappointing Christmases, I prefer to continue reliving the perfect moment. And thirdly, your distinction between past and present shows an unsophisticated understanding of time. Leah sighed. But your feet hang over the edge of the bed. The bed was the bottom half of a pair of bunks, but when they were young enough to share a bedroom, Leah had inherited the top half. It had been moved to the small back bedroom for her teenage years and disposed of when she had left home at the age of 17. Nobody had been inclined to treat her belongings like a shrine, although she still maintained that her dad must have missed her a bit. Until the purchase of the warehouse on Ormond Quay, the back room had been Ronan's office. 
his old computer was still here. After he had disappeared, Trevor had hacked it in search of clues. He unearthed no leads. The thing about Ronan, said Trevor, clicking through his files, is that nobody could accuse him of being neurotypical. Leah agreed. When someone's thought processes followed unusual patterns, it was difficult to guess what they might have done. <laughs>